The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now on Bloomberg 99.1. With divided government, what are the political realities? The president is increasingly frustrated. I want to try to cut through the noise. Politically, this is devastating. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. It is no secret that I care a lot about the consumers. There are real questions about big tech. We still have more leverage to use with the tariffs. I think we could do with a little less drama from the White House. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 at 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Friday Eve, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Television and Radio Chief Washington Correspondent. They're getting closer to a deal. The U.S. and China are said to be working on multiple memorandums of agreement for a trade deal. We're going to get into all of the policy specifics on that particular front. As well as heading into court, there are major legal developments for Paul Manafort and Roger Stone. Plus, Michael Cohen will, in fact, testify in public next week. The latest on President Trump's legal surroundings, I guess, is the right word for it. Uh, And, of course, all the preparation ahead of the Vietnam trip. President Trump headed to Vietnam next week to meet with North Korea uh, dictator Kim Jong-un for denuclearization peace talks. All-star panel. Democratic strategist Kevin Walling and Republican strategist Sher Michael Singleton join me for the hour. But before all of that, Nancy, get us up to speed. What's going on in the news? It, it, it's really been a big day for legal developments. Trump confidant Roger Stone has been ordered to stay quiet and not make any public comments after posting a photo of the judge presiding over his criminal case with what appeared to be crosshairs of a gun. The gag order was imposed by Judge Amy Berman Jackson this afternoon. During his court appearance, Stone said he made an egregious mistake and said there was no excuse for his post. Prosecutors have outlined a detailed case against Empire actor Jesse Smollett, claiming the actor staged the attack on himself with two friends. He was apparently dissatisfied with the studio that produces his TV show. Cook County State Attorney Risa Lanier described the plan Smollett allegedly concocted with his conspirators. Smollett stated that he wanted them to appear to attack him on the evening of January 28, 2019, near his apartment building in Streeterville. Defendant Smollett also stated he wanted the brothers to catch his attention by calling him an Empire F, Empire N. Smollett's attorneys say the actor denies what he calls outrageous allegations. Smollett has left court after posting bail of $100,000. A U.S. Coast Guard lieutenant called a domestic terrorist by prosecutors will remain in custody for at least 14 days after a judge deemed him a danger to the community. Lieutenant Christopher Paul Hassan appeared in federal court today after his arrest on gun and drug charges. Investigators discovered a draft email in which Lieutenant Hassan, who works at the Coast Guard headquarters in D.C., what he wrote about his wish to kill people and a desire to acquire biological weapons. Robert Herr is the U.S. Attorney for the District of Maryland. The sheer number and force of the weapons that were recovered from Mr. Hassan's residence in this case, coupled with the disturbing nature of his writings, appear to reflect a very significant threat 
to the safety of our community, particularly given the position of trust that Mr. Hassan held with the United States government. Prosecutors say federal agents found 15 firearms and more than 1,000 rounds of ammunition inside Hassan's Maryland apartment. North Carolina's elections board has ordered a new election in the nation's last undecided congressional race from November. After reviewing evidence, it was tainted by absentee ballot fraud. The North Carolina State Board of Elections unanimously voted to hold a new election in the 9th congressional district. And a last-ditch effort to bring up the Equal Rights Amendment for a floor vote in the Virginia House failed today, ending its chances this year. A move to change the rules to bring the amendment to the floor was defeated by a vote of 50 to 50, then a resolution to discharge the ERA for a full vote failed, with delegates voting along party lines 49 to 51. Well, it's time now for the Beltway Business Report. Here is Bloomberg's Larry Kofsky. Well, Nancy, stocks ended lower in thin trading. The S&P 500 fell for the first time in four sessions. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 103. The S&P 500 tumbled 9. The Nasdaq Composite lost 29. Ford says there may be a problem with its emissions and fuel economy testing after employees raised concerns. An outside firm is investigating. Ford says the probe does not involve defeat devices such as those involved in Volkswagen's emissions scandal. Add AT&T and Kellogg to the list of companies pulling their ads from YouTube over a controversy related to child videos. Concerns have been raised that YouTube can be used to forge networks of people engaged in exploitation of children. Business picked up at U.S. factories in December. The government says durable goods orders rose 1.2 percent, the most in four months. Much of the gain was in commercial aircraft. The category that tracks business investment fell for a second month. The Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. area stock index lost a third of a percent. You're up to date on business from the Beltway to Baltimore. I'm Larry Kofsky. This is Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Thanks, Larry. Global News 24 hours a day on air and at TikTok on Twitter, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nancy Lyons. Plenty to talk about, Kevin. There's always so much to talk about these days, Nancy. Thanks for that news update. Our lead story tonight is that the U.S. and China are said to be working on multiple memorandums for a trade deal. Remember, folks, President Trump has said that he is going to increase tariffs on 267 billion dollars worth of goods heading into the United States on March 1st. He said he could even raise those tariffs to 25 percent. This is much against the business community's wishes, not just big business, small business, medium-sized business, all size, sizes of business do not want to see those tariffs go up. In fact, I was talking with some sources just the other day in the business community, and they are urging Republican lawmakers to get on the phone with President Trump to not increase those tariffs. Now, the president, for his part, he loves tariffs. He says that he calls himself a tariff man, his words, his tweets. But he also has said that these tariff deadline increases on March 1st are a negotiation chip, uh, a, a strategy of sorts, as these China negotiations continue onward. Now, this week, and I was outside of the uh, uh, old executive office building earlier this morning trying to catch a glimpse of the traders, as they're called, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, they've been meeting with a Chinese delegation that has arrived here in Washington this week to continue to hammer out the basis of a final trade deal. Now, what's unknown 
is when President Trump will meet directly with China's President Xi Jinping. Next week, the president is headed to Southeast Asia to meet with North Korea leader Kim Jong-un, but nothing on the schedule for him to take a detour maybe or have a layover with China President Xi. So that's why I'm so grateful to dive into the specifics with Democratic strategist Kevin Walling, who also works at HG Creative Media, as well as Sher Michael Singleton, Republican strategist and contributing host of Vox Media's Considerate. Sure, Michael, this is on Facebook Watch, correct? Yeah, that's right. Facebook Watch, which is doing very well. Well, congratulations on, Thanks, on the, the new it's not really new anymore, though. No, it's about four months old. Four now. months old. Yeah, four still months. Still under, you know, still in its. Well, we're, we're thrilled to infancy have you. Stages. Infancy <laughs> stages. Things that are also in the infancy stages are the basis of a U.S. China trade deal. And our Jenny Leonard at Bloomberg News reporting earlier today that U.S. and Chinese negotiators are working on multiple memorandums of understanding that would form the basis of a final trade deal. And they're going to cover massive areas with huge market implications. Agriculture, non-tariff barriers, services, technology transfer, and of course, intellectual property. What the big question, Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist, is enforcement mechanism. How will the U.S. enforce any of these trade agreements? And, you know, quite frankly, if they don't have an enforcement mechanism, it would really allow them to bypass Congress, no? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, with any kind of negotiation, and I'm hopeful, you know, we've got the vice premier, the number two from China here this week meeting with, as you rightly point out, our trade representative and, and Steve Mnuchin, the treasury secretary and our commerce secretary. Uh, and I'm hopeful, you know, just uh, two hours ago, it was released that uh, on the table is a $30 billion agreement for the Chinese to buy agriculture. A lot of our agriculture products are wasting away uh, in factories, uh, in processing factories in the industrial Midwest, where this president was very successful. And and it's really hurt farmers. So uh, again, you're at the outset. Uh, you know your your uh, observations of this trade negotiation are well founded. And, and as a Democrat on this panel, I'm hopeful that we can reach some kind of agreement. Well, I'm actually glad you you brought up what's going on with folks in the agricultural community because thus far they have lost. They haven't gained anything, and it, it's it troubles me because as I'm thinking about the president who's getting ready to gear up for a reelection. Everything at this point in time, Kevin, you knows that you know this. It has to be looked through a political lens. How will this impact me with those voters who I absolutely have to turn out in order to do very well? And, and I also think the president is going to have to answer to those folks in the House. They're going to want to know. Nancy Pelosi is going to want to know, Mr. President, what are you doing with China? How is trade going to impact certain Americans? We need to be a part of this conversation. You're no longer going to be able to do it on your own. You mentioned the agricultural sector. The president uh, has been, through the political lens and his and the sources that I talked with at the White House, very much uh, cautious in terms of the mm -hmm. political implications. Remember, the USDA providing that package of billions of dollars, rather, as a bit of a political uh, appeasement. As a bailout. Some, uh, well, your words. You're a Republican, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was, it was welfare for, I, for farmers, you know? Well—, well Listen, I mean, when I interview Senator Joni Ernst, look at this. Like a We're in agreement. Panel. We're in agreement. Um, when I interview Senator Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa, or even uh, Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley, they were a bit 
apprehensive of that. But I want to get back to some of these other issues because one of the major sticking points that has really reverberated and had significant market implications are the currency manipulation side of things, right? And so Mm -hmm. one of the things that really was a flashpoint this week uh, is that the U.S. is reportedly asking China to keep the value of the yuan stable to neutralize any effort by Beijing to devalue its currency. Kevin, I find this interesting twofold. First and foremost, there were threats early on in the president's administration about uh, about whether or not President Trump would use various mechanisms to declare China a currency manipulator. They've backed off, according to public reports, sources that I talked to, but now they're doing this again. What's fascinating is that it's almost a twofer in the sense that the president does not want to see China devalue its currency, but by but by and and to not but is asking in a way for China to manipulate its currency to not devalue it not to get too wonky but if you look at that particular point from a political lens and step back from the policy standpoint if you're a democrat or even a republican heading into this new cycle China is a pretty easy scapegoat no, you're absolutely right. But again, we have to remember we live in a global economy. If the Chinese economy, which has actually been spiraling downwards because of these pressures brought by this president, uh, if it continues that decline, that affects us. And, and that hurts our economy as well. So we have to rise together, but we have to be on a level playing field. And I commend the president for calling him out when it comes to uh, c- currency manipulation. Over the last 20 years, under Republican and Democratic administrations, every uh, issue we brought before the World Trade Organization against China has been found to be in our favor. I don't even know what to do anymore. I've got Shermichael, the Republican, like <laughs> ta- talking well, about because I don't believe in bailouts. welfare. Yeah. And then I've got, yeah. then I've got the Democrats saying, quote unquote, <laughs> I commend the president. I, I commend mean, the president for raising this issue. Only on I mean, no, I, I agree. In it, and I think there has been a legitimate argument to make for quite some time as far as the imbalances with trade as it relates to China. Uh, and how that impacts the American worker and also how that impacts the consumer. But, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of something that Milton Friedman said back in the 70s. And Milton argued, and a lot of economists at the time disagreed, and a lot of folks still disagree. He said if it's cheaper to make goods in China and the American average person want to purchase said good, they should have the right to do so. Why? Because it benefits their bottom line. All right. Coming up, we're going to get out of trade policy and into court. Major court proceeding developments with Paul Manafort and Roger Stone. Separate cases, same storyline. Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist, Shermichael Singleton, Republican strategist, with me for the hour. Remember, download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com and on iHeartRadio. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Welcome back, folks. How about that Georgetown basketball game last night? They upset Villanova 85-73. to I was disappointed I couldn't go. But massive congratulations to all of the – to Georgetown's men's basketball team for pulling off that upset. We're almost in March Madness But there's a lot of madness here in Washington these days uh, in the political sphere. Kevin Walling is a Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. 
He uh, He's our guest for the hour, as is Sher Michael Singleton, Republican strategist and contributing host of Vox Media's Consider It. If they want to watch it, you go on Facebook Watch. Facebook to- Watch. Just go okay. to Facebook in your search bar on Facebook app and type in Consider It, and you'll find okay. it. Congratulations on that. Thanks, uh, Kevin. On that as well. So we were talking in our first segment about the trade mm-hmm. agreements, U.S.-China trade talks. Uh, the U- the Chinese delegation, uh, led, of course, by Chinese Vice Premier Liu Hua, is here this week in Washington meeting with Treasury Secretary Mnuchin and others like Bob Lighthizer at the USTR. But there's some other legal things happening uh, relating surrounding this administration have you guys followed this Roger Stone saga? Absolutely. <laughs> Get this. Okay. He's back in town today. So Roger right. said he's sorry, but it may be too late because uh, literally uh, on Monday, Stone, he put this on, uh, I Instagram. believe it was Instagram. Instagram, yep. exactly. Like, you know, which is pretty much, I mean. And the I'd, judge warned him. So the what happened was, him. well, let's, let's get everyone to cop speed. He posted a picture of the judge in a crosshair and then got really after the warning, and this U.S. District Judge Amy Berman Jackson uh, said that, you know, don't go out there and be crazy, essentially. Mm-hmm. Don't go out there, don't and, be go out Roger. there and be Roger Stone. Don't be yeah, Roger exactly. Stone. Roger Stone has, has been a guest on this program. He has That's called right. in. He uh, is someone who, you know, has really much been defending himself. He mm-hmm. maintains his innocence. Uh, but he decided to post this. He then, he then apologized, and he said, I had, quote, I had no intention of disrespecting the court and humbly apologize to the court for the transgression. Uh, but, like, it's it's too late. Ke- Kevin, look, the reality is I-, I don't think Roger Stone fully appreciates the severity of what's at stake for him. The judge gave him a warning, an explicit warning. You are not to conduct yourself in this type of behavior because of the severity of this. Roger Stone decided to be Roger Stone, and I can only imagine his defense attorneys are probably losing their minds because he's the worst type of client one could ask for. You have to take these things serious, Kevin. That means no interviews, no radio interviews. He's got a gag order. No posting Mm -hmm. things on social media. That's that's the bottom line is that the federal judge, because Roger Stone posted this uh, picture on Instagram Mm -hmm. with crosshairs over the judge, Uh, a federal judge ruled earlier today. Now He now has a full gag order he is not allowed to uh which he write will about violate the case he's he not allowed, i predict yeah. he will violate well it. he's not allowed to write about the case he's not allowed to post about the case i don't know i mean kevin what do you think of this Demo- as, as a democrat but also as an observer of our justice system yeah i mean i couldn't agree more with Shermichael on this you know uh the fact that he had a partial gag order violated that on monday th- really threatened the life of this judge right because we saw just the other day with this Coast Guardsman lieutenant mm-hmm. stockpiling weapons, a white nationalist. What happens when we get this heated rhetoric? And it's on both sides. I'm not criticizing the president when it comes to this, but we've amped up our political rhetoric. And when someone unstable sees an image like that and a photo of a federal judge, that really calls into question uh, Roger Stone's actions. And he should have a complete gag order, which I think he will violate, I want as to read, Mr. Michael said. I want I to read the, the statement from Judge Amy Berman Jackson, what she said at the hearing. She said, quote, I find that released under conditions without modifications that he does pose a danger. Roger Stone fully understands the power of words and the power of symbols. In this age of social media, there's really no such thing 
as a take back. I don't know if I agree, but there's no such thing as a take back because a lot of people tweet stuff, they delete it. A retweet is no, no, not no, an endorsement. Kevin, that's one thing about regular people. Wait, wait, people. wait, wait, wait. But a retweet is not an endorsement. But Kevin, that's one thing about regular Joe Blow who's tweeting at home or at work or on their way in between. Roger Stone has been in politics since, what, the 60s. He knew exactly what he was doing. This guy's a master manipulator. He's a master at words, and he should be punished for his actions. All right, moving on from Roger, Paul Manafort, remember him? (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be sentenced on March 8th in federal court in Alexandria. Uh, This, according to Bloomberg, where special counsel Robert Mueller has recommended he serve as much as a quarter century in prison for his convictions on tax and bank fraud charges. But Kevin, so when I talk to sources at the White House, when I talk to supporters of President Trump and and his advisors outside of the White House, they say Paul Manafort, what he was convicted of, has nothing to do with Russia, with collusion, with that, 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 that these charges stem from before he was involved. Do you buy that? I don't. Uh, And, you know, when we talk about this sentencing for Paul Manafort, when we talk about a quarter of a century, that's a life sentence for Paul Manafort. He will likely go to jail for the rest of his life. And most recently, what we saw was he brought back in front of the court for lying, for making false statements to protect a Russian co-conspirator. You know, so when you talk about collusion, it might not be directly related to 2016, and we're eagerly waiting that uh, Mueller report to come out as early as next week, which has been reported by many outlets. But again, let's not be, let's not, you know, pass the buck here. He lied to federal investigators to protect Russian nationals. That is a big problem. Speaking of lies, Michael Cohen, uh, President Trump's former fixer, Michael Cohen, he was actually uh, on Capitol Hill today, Senate uh, meeting with staff of the Senate Intelligence Committee in their secure space. I don't know if you've you, – I know Kevin's – have you been up I've there? I've never been. There's yeah. like this secure space in, I believe – it's like between Dirksen and Hart. Yep. Well, and they, and they have another one too in, another, the, yeah. in the new Capitol Visitor Center. And then the, – yeah. yeah. Skiff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, so he was up there uh, because he actually is going to testify – Next, next Wednesday. Next, next, next Wednesday. On Wednesday. Yep. Talk about holy Hanoi. Yeah. Uh, coming up, we're going to stick with Hanoi, but we're also – I feel like we've just gotten through holy all of Hanoi. The, it's like I'm a court reporter again. I used to cover crime. Uh, three cases in one segment. Coming up, panel stays. They can do it all. Trade to court. And we're heading to Vietnam. Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist. Sure, Michael Singleton, Republican strategist. Check us out on the Apple iTunes. Just search for Sound On. We post our shows there afterward, as well as on Bloomberg.com or download the Bloomberg business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Georgetown game last night. They upset Villanova. They beat them like 85 to 73. I was this close to going to the game, but I couldn't make it. Congratulations to all of those Georgetown Hoyas out there. 
on that uh, soon-to-be March Madness upset. We were talking earlier in the show about U.S.-China trade relations. We got caught up to speed on all of the different court cases surrounding the Mueller investigation. But the big news for next week is that President Trump is headed to Vietnam to meet with North Korea leader Kim Jong-un to continue to negotiate on denuclearization peace talks. My guest with me for the hour, Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media, an opposition research firm? Uh, TV and media shop. We do TV. AKA ads. like opposition, <laughs> <laughs> AKA like political dark arts. Um, the, <laughs> sure, Michael Singleton, Republican strategist and contributing host at Vox Media's Consider It. You can check that out on Facebook. Watch a former political opposition research. Yeah, I did it for a year back in uh, 2015 when Republicans saw that big wave. Yeah, well, we'll get into that coming up, but let's stick in Vietnam. I'm actually heading there. I leave Sunday. You Craig, j- just the, got your shots? I, I, got, go I got vaccinated today. I got like three shots. I got my vaccines, <laughs> so I'm not going to get oh, I mean, now that I'm saying this, I'm going to like hopefully, hopefully. Stay away from the mosquitoes. But then Margaret Talib, White House senior White House reporter, I, before I came on her, I said, oh, I got my vaccines. And she goes, you know, it takes like two weeks to, to like kick in. I said, thanks, Margaret. See you over there. <laughs> See you in Vietnam. Uh, but for real, President Trump is going over there to Hanoi to negotiate the second time. I was there with him in uh, Singapore when he met with Kim Jong-un. And what what is going to be the major breakthrough? What are you looking for, Sure, Michael, to come out of next week's summit? I need to hear a guarantee from the North Korean leader that they will actually cease not just firing missiles, but they will cease the program altogether. And the president hasn't been able to get that commitment yet. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to be looking for. I, I give the president credit thus far, though. Listen, we're in agreement, Sir Michael. We need concrete things coming out uh, of this summit. And we need an administration on the same page with one another. When you have Dan Coats, the DNI, going before Congress and saying one thing about the North Korean situation, angering the president because he deals in reality and he sees the intelligence, and the president saying something completely different, I want as a first step for this administration to get on the same page with what intelligence is coming out of uh, North Korea. But, okay, to, to take a broader step back, I'm old enough to remember when President Trump was tweeting out Rocket Man and like, remember that? And <laughs> like, right. you, you you looked at the, the political. My vol- button is bigger than your button. button. All yeah. of that. And you would look at the political volatility index, a, 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 an economic measurement of, of how nervous this was making traders and whatnot. Right. It was like insane to watch in real time on the Bloomberg terminal how the president's tweets with the North Korea leader were impacting mm-hmm. volatility in in the marketplace. Okay, so that was like, what, not even a year and a half ago, That's maybe? Right. And then now we're in a situation where Kim Jong-un, the 33 or 30-something-year-old dictator, is not firing off missiles. And I don't know. I mean, Kev, yeah, it could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse. It could be a nuclear war. But here, here's my problem in that we, we haven't gotten any anything concrete from North Korea. And what we've done is elevated Kim Jong-un and his, his tyrannical uh, administration on the same level as the United States. When I saw in Singapore the American flag sitting next to the North Korean flag without getting any guarantees from the North Koreans coming out of that either beforehand or after and nothing coming into – the negotiations in Hanoi, that gives me pause because we've given the North Koreans everything they want. They've got a world platform. He's standing next to the, the leader of the free world, and we've got nothing concrete in but, terms of but, steps and, agreed but by to. Having, but, but, but their nuke program doesn't – I mean, what, But they're still testing. Them? They're still testing. Gonna, they're 
still building new facilities. And our intelligence shows that. And our intelligence, that's that's what the DNI said, Dan Coates, who sees it every single day. But it's not like the U.S. is is the only superpower. I mean, the Obama administration, this has been U.S. policy that this is a problem with North Korea. Going back to his grandfather. His grandfather. Right, Right. but, but, but. You have China putting pressure on them, obviously, given their border. The, China's well, at Because risk China for, doesn't want to deal with that migration yeah, issue. Yeah, they have a migration issue on the border. You have Russia even uh, pressuring this situation. So, I, I mean, I think everyone is trying to figure out what does this 30-something want in the long term. But I, I, I He get, wants legitimacy, I was just right? And he's, say that, and he's getting it from That's this right. president. No, I, I think you're 100% correct. I think he wants legitimacy. And, and, and a lot of experts on North Korea, and I believe Dan Coates even at least alluded to this in previous statements, that they're going to utilize this for full propaganda. Absolutely. To be able to show Kim Jong-un next to the president of the United Those States flags of America flying to say, together. we are equal, and we're giving them that. Yeah, but I mean, but they're not. I mean, like... I, I but mean, you we, know that. You know that, yeah. Kevin. Right. <laughs> but the folks in North Korea don't know that. That woman on the news every night in, in North right. Korea in her pink kimono is showing these images. All right. Well, uh... Also, in terms of international travel, it's going to be a, a really massive news week next week. And oh, yeah. we will be broadcasting from Hanoi uh, on Tuesday through Friday of next week uh, as we go over there and embark on that. But there was some other news today, which is Vice President Mike Pence. He's actually going to Venezuela mm-hmm. on Monday uh, to this, of course, following Juan Guaido's, the uh, acting president there elected by the, the People's Congress over there. Uh, of course, you've got the situation with uh, Venezuela's dictator, Maduro. Uh, really nonpartisan consensus, by the way, from Speaker Pelosi as well as Republicans that Juan Guaido is the uh, the president. So it's going to be pretty amazing to have, well, I guess, te- I mean, really a week where you've got the vice president who's really taking the lead on the issue of Venezuela. And then, of course, President Trump over there in Hanoi. We'll be following all of those developments. Coming up, our panel stays. We talk about... Well, we got to talk about Virginia, especially given uh, Sher Michael's past as a political opposition researcher. Do you ever get out of the political dark arts once you've been in them? Kevin Walling also stays <laughs> democratic <little> strategist. <laughs> uh, remember, check us the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or getting the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 991. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. We've made a lot of progress. We've made a tremendous amount. That doesn't mean this is going to be the last meeting because I don't believe it will. But we have uh, subjects to discuss which will be very fruitful, I believe. There we go. That was President Trump speaking yesterday uh, at the White House. He says that the meeting with he and Kim Jong-un of North Korea set to take place next week in Hanoi, Vietnam, is going to be, quote, unquote, fruitful. We were talking about that earlier. Uh, Also talking about all of the latest legal drama surrounding the administration. Uh, Remember, folks, CNN reporting yesterday that the Mueller investigation might be complete and Attorney General Bill Barr might submit the summary report to Congress next week while the president is traveling uh, in Hanoi, Vietnam. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence is set to be on Monday in Colombia. Uh, the whole situation there with Juan Guaido, the, uh, the acting president of Venezuela, uh, given the dynamics there with the dictator Maduro, the U.S. formerly, uh, both Democrats and Republicans, minus, I guess, Democratic congresswoman and, I guess, uh, presidential candidate, 
Tulsi Gabbard, uh, she's been very critical of that. The lone, of course she's been. One of, of the lone ones. That's been. Kevin Walling who <laughs> yeah. just chimed in. He is a Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media, and Shermichael Singleton is a Republican strategist and contributing host of Vox Media's Consider It. Tulsi's running for president, though. She, she is. Who should not be mentioned. She's like Voldemort, in in my estimation. I... Okay, as a Democrat, why? Because there are many folks she who would argue. Up, he, she, she defends Assad. She defends Maduro. That's that's not what Democrats stand for, and it's not what Republicans stand for. You know, we don't stand with dictators that, that harm and, and target the, the uh, oppress refugees in their own countries. That's Did, not what we stand for. I will say, Congresswoman Gabbard, uh, having served in the military, mm-hmm. it is interesting to hear her perspective. She is someone who fought uh, for the country, but her positions, as you mentioned, are are not— the majority in terms of of either political party. Did you guys see this? Was she one of the folks on the cover of this Time magazine? Did you guys see the Time she magazine? Was. Cover? She, she was. was. She yep. was there. Yeah. I saw that. So if you haven't seen it, I'll paint the picture since I'm on radio right now. I'm not telling. <laughs> if I was on TV, this it's is a the great difference. cover. It's Everyone asks what's the difference between switching back from TV and radio. It's like you you have to art, you have to paint the picture. You do. And I know, sure, Michael, you're actually a painter in your free time. <laughs> I am. It's one of the things that I enjoy. Oil paintings, it's something that gets you away from politics. Okay, you paint well, landscapes or what? Are people landscapes, or landscapes, sometimes portraits. Okay. Yeah. If, okay, so here's what Time Magazine, I'm going to, I want a portrait. Go ahead, okay. Kevin. <laughs> here's the Time Magazine cover. It's President Trump in the Oval Office. He's sitting there, and then you've got the windows behind him in the Oval Office, and it's virtually like every presidential hopeful in the Democratic Party. Uh, including Howard Schultz, including, who's now part of my party. And. Uh, and also, okay, so in this picture, who do you guys like? I think Senator Sherrod Brown. He's mulling a presidential run, Democrat from Ohio. I like Klobuchar because she did very well in her state, winning almost every single county that Trump won with the exception of two. If she can pair with an African-American or someone who's younger and diverse, I think that would be a really strong ticket. So you don't buy these allegations of her being a bad boss? Kevin, politics is tough. People need to get over it. Wow. wow. Politics ain't beanbag, as they no, say. No, it's right? not. When I <laughs> interviewed Roger, one of the first, uh, when I interviewed Roger Stern on TV like a year ago, he was like, politics is a blood sport. It's not beanbag or something. Yeah. yeah I yeah. agree with him, Kevin. Yeah, amen. <laughs> wow. Amen. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I, I also wonder how, I agree with you. Amy Klobuchar is a great candidate. She, she has the intellectual heft for it. She's out there in the Senate. Um, and, and I wonder how much of this criticism is based in sexism, right? As a tough woman. Uh, who's a leader on issues? How much of that is because of her gender, and not you know if he if she was a man, would you have the same criticism? I'm going to quote Tom Keen right now, and I'm going to rip up the script to quote my good buddy and friend and mentor at Bloomberg, Tom Keen. Let's rip up the script. Okay, let's stick with this. Both of you have worked in opposition research, mm-hmm. and you've got these reports coming out. We in Washington all know how the sausage gets made in the sense of anonymous sourcing and folks call reporters and dump the oppo. Senator Klobuchar clearly had some oppo research done against her let's take away whether it's true false or what you think of it but why is this happening so soon as as both of you have worked on opposite sides of the aisle on oppo research kevin yeah i mean she's got clearly she's got some disgruntled former staff right that have bottled this up for a while and and saw an opening to attack her uh, in this way but again if you get out of the bubble here in dc no one one cares cares, that she's a tough boss i want to interrupt you here because i want to even dig deeper because it also shows savviness on some of her competitors that they're already strategizing to try to characterize someone and that that positioning to characterize someone in the Democratic Party this early in the race to, to, to try to put out the spark before it catches fire, 
that shows that this is going to be a blood sport. It does, but I think that could backfire. I think after 2018, this is going to be the year of women once again. And to attempt to characterize a woman as a villain when who we have in the White House, and I'm saying this as a conservative, I think it falls on deaf no, ears, but, Kevin. But put, put, put on your political oppo cap. Take me back sure. to when you were doing opposition research against Senator Mark Warner in the early days of your political career. Okay. What is the advantage of starting oppo this early, or is it a disadvantage? Well, no. It, what, it, what it shows is that whomever leaked this to the press or discovered this, it shows that that individual is going to go to great lengths to try to characterize himself above the rest of the field. And that means finding every little nasty, dirty thing on each of their opponents and, and, and slowly leaking it out to show you don't want someone with this type of character. You want someone who can rise above the See, folks. this is what I find so interesting about the world of opposition research. It's like House of Cards and a lot less West Wing. <laughs> But honestly, it's a lot more Veep than well, right, anything. No, that's right, true, right. Kevin. Yeah. That but, but, is it's true. a lot more Veep. But, but, but let, let me even – because I think if you're driving home in your car right now and you see all of these stories about all of these political opposition stories on the left and on the right, does the principal candidate say go negative or is it that dramatic? Or do they know when they're hiring firms or working with firms no, no, no. that they know that – that there's going to be a, that there's going to be the these types of stories. I, I will say this: when I was an opposition researcher, the principal absolutely knew that someone on the campaign was going to hire said firm to dig up dirt on each of their opponents. They knew that for a fact. It, and many times, I actually interacted with the principal to show this is what we have found. It's up to your strategists and advisors to figure out how you want to utilize said material. And sure, Michael, part of that process too, and correct me if I'm wrong, is doing a, a self-assessment too. I mean, your the, opposition right. researcher that is focusing on other people is also writing a book on your The first thing you do, Kevin, well. yeah. is to do the Apple book on the principal that you were hired so to. So you can prepare right. for hits and attacks down how the road. How romantic. I mean, like, this is, but like, okay, so I guess nowadays, if you're if you're one of the dozen or so candidates running for president, you truly cannot. I mean, this is you can't. I mean, like this is this is just candidates normal. shouldn't be caught off guard, uh, Kevin, because the whole process of doing Apple on the candidate is so that the folks in the comm shop can figure out a alternative message to anything that could potentially come out that may be damaging that they already know about their principle, whether it's something with finances, extramarital affairs, plagiarism, whatever the case may be, these candidates should not be caught off guard. Think, if they are, they didn't hire the right I think firm. what's different about this cycle is, you know, is that all of these political blogging type stories uh, with anonymous sources and all the characterizations Social media has even intensified since then. So you got AOC who can, you know, literally go tit for tat with a story or a reporter and she's got I, 3 million followers. I, I think yeah, it's just right. yeah, President Trump has, has kind of done that as well. Okay, but who do you guys like? Who in the in this crowded them field? I mean, who's 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 out to a good a good Joe, start? Joe Biden. Although You're I'm a, a Delaware guy, I, I love the vice president. He, I think he can bring the fight. As sure Michael said, I think you know, in relation to Amy Klobuchar, he's going to want to pick a person of color or a woman to, mm -hmm. to balance yep. out that ticket. I hope so. It looks really like the Democratic Party when they r eventually run. And sources are saying that he's going to make up. He's already made up his mind that he's running. He's already hired staff. He's already hired consultants that I know about, and is gearing up to announce in the next couple of weeks. Well, I mean, but what do you say? 
Uh, do you think that okay? Because everyone knows this, right? Mm-hmm. Every time he's run for president, it's the past two times he's two been times. criticized for his relationship with the financial community. When you look at someone like Senator Sanders, when you look at where the the base is right now, is he in line with the base? I don't know if he's in line with the base, but as Joe Biden says, but don't you have to be? Don't as Joe Biden says, don't compare me to the alternative. Compare me to the don't compare me to the Almighty. Compare me to the alternative. And in that race, when he's fighting Donald Trump, it is but going to be not, a comparison but, 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 on financial. Okay, this is an interesting point because yeah. in the primary, the alternative is like the twelve other people. He, He's running twenty eight percent right now in North in 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 New Hampshire right now right before he announces if he continues to carry that coalition he will be successful because then you pivot right to North to South Carolina and he can win that primary in those initial states. All right, we got less than two minutes. And Kevin, let's just be realistic here, guys. Bernie Sanders has a message that does not resonate with a large percentage of this country. That resonates with the base, and people said the same thing about Trump. Uh, Interesting enough. Is, less, his views are becoming more and more mainstream, which is kind of interesting enough. And as you rightly said, he's he in line African, with the base. But he needs African Americans. He needs African Americans. And without African Americans, you can't win if you're a Democrat. You just Absolutely. can't. How's Senator Warren doing? I actually think that she's She's gonna, at 9% in, in New Hampshire, which is interestingly That's pretty enough. good. I mean, you know, yeah. you got Boston nearby. Biden right. will be the immediate front runner. Absolutely. Right. We've got a. Uh, I think Sanders is the front runner. I think Sherry Brown is. Sure. Yeah, it's it's so it's still so far away. I know, right? This I is mean, the earliest fun. cycle. I mean, this is why we all got into it. It's like you know, like I get it. But I love like, that Time magazine still, cover. That, you know that I Time too, magazine Kevin. cover. <laughs> that Time magazine cover. All right, Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media, and Shermichael uh, Singleton, Republican strategist and contributing host at Vox Media's Consider It. Check that out at Facebook Watch. Uh, remember, you can download the Sound On podcast at Apple iTunes, at Bloomberg.com, or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. Also find us on Radio.com and on iHeartRadio. I'm Kevin Cirilli. That's it for me. Tomorrow, more on U.S.-China trade talks. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.